This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Matt Wilson. Thank you for joining us for episode 32 of the Fire Dog Podcast. Before we get into the episode, don't forget to check out our website, firedog.us. On the site, you'll find new podcast episodes and articles from people across the fire service. So go check out the site, save it to your favorites, and if you want to write an article to be featured on the site, click Contribute at the top of the page. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating and review. Let us know how we're doing. Our guest today is a former Air Force firefighter turned entrepreneur. He served on active duty in the Air National Guard and most recently as a civilian at Grissom Air Reserve Base in Indiana. He's the founder, owner, and chief executive officer of Fire Dogs Junk Removal, a growing junk removal business in Indiana and recent recipient of the Better Business Bureau's 2020 Business of Integrity Award. It is my pleasure to welcome Mr. Bennett Grove. Well, Mr. Bennett Grove, I appreciate you joining me, man. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. So I follow you a little bit on Facebook, and it's funny when we were developing kind of our, we were branding the podcast and looking for names. And of course we're doing a lot of Google searches and I Google searched fire dog, you know, just to, I, I think I was looking for images, you know, to, to develop a logo. And I kept popping, uh, I kept finding fire dog junk removal, Indiana. I was like, well, what, you know, and then it had a, you know, a firefighter logo and everything else like that. I was like, wow, that's, uh, this person must've been a firefighter at some point in the military. And uh, didn't think much of it. I'm like, well, we don't want to definitely don't want to steal their content. And so I really liked that logo. You know, I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. We could, that'd be awesome to use that. But of course we didn't want to take the logo, but anyways, it's, uh, <laughs> Thank you it's kind of coming full circle. You know, it's kind of funny to be able to talk to you and ha- have you on the podcast. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for not stealing the logo and the name. I uh, appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. hope I can add value to the listeners. Yeah. Um, again, like we were talking before I started recording, you know, I, I just like to highlight the fact that you are a prior military member, prior military firefighter, prior firefighter, now business owner, and kind of talk about that journey to owning a business, opening in a business, you know, kind of the whole experience. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask you a few questions to walk us through that, but uh, that was the idea here. Yeah. Happy to, happy to talk about it for sure. It was, a uh, air force firefighter. For six years, I uh, was a firefighter in total for 17. I started my business in 2011 with, alongside another fire dog who's no longer in the business with me. Uh, but we started it in 2011. But yeah, so I spent, uh, I was on active duty in the Air Force and I was in the uh, Guard after active duty. So I spent six years total. And I was really inspired to join the military after the events of 9 11 and the uh, invasion in Iraq. I finally uh, enlisted. I was in college at the time, um, but I always had aspirations of becoming a firefighter uh, back in high school. And I was always, you know, I followed my, uh, my buddy's dad was a firefighter and he had a business on his days off. And so I kind of, you know, really gravitated to him and it's like, man, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a firefighter and I'm going to have a, a side hustle. And that was kind of always the vision. And uh, so becoming a firefighter was always uh, my dream. It was my dream job. And so when I got to go into the military and be a firefighter, it was like the best of both worlds, because I always said growing up that if there was ever a conflict in our country or in the world and I was of age, I was going to join the military and serve. I just had a calling to serve. And so when those events happened, it was like, okay, time to put up, you know, 
it's uh, either put up or shut up. And so I joined and wanted to serve and I got to be a firefighter in the process, which was awesome. Um, so my, my firefighting career was, you know, it was, it was everything. It shaped me. It was so impactful on my, my life. Um, I'm 38 now, but a lot of the things I learned as a firefighter continue to serve me today as a, uh, a leader of a home services business. So, you know, I, I look back on my time as a firefighter and just uh, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to be a firefighter and serve my country at the same time. But that's a quick uh, bio on me. So, yeah, 2011 um, or 2011 is when I started the business. 2003 is when I enlisted. And uh, my last shift as a firefighter was uh, 9-11 last year. So 9-11-2020, I hung, hung up the boots and no longer a full-time firefighter anymore and full-time running my business. No, cool. I didn't know you were uh, you were doing the firefighter gig up until last year. So, I I, I think we uh, may have talked a little bit. I don't know, but I've been following you on Instagram for at least a year at this point. And uh, yeah, one thing I do notice, and I don't know who you runs your social media, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of parallels and kind of the principles or the values of your business in in the military or specifically Air Force Fire Protection. Um, even the way the way that you um, the titles of the employee positions, it seems, is even kind of similar. Um, and you have a fitness center for the employees to work out in and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's all pretty cool. It's very familiar. Just following you on Instagram, you know, it seems familiar to me just looking at you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of crossovers. You now I have a couple of buddies out there in the fire world. Uh, Scott Smoot was one of my staff sergeants when I was active duty, and he uh, – he gives me crap every now and then is like, man, if you do one more thing that looks like the fire department, he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to send you to counseling, you know, cause he says I'm so ate up, you know, <laughs> but you know, it, that's the thing is like what we learn as firefighters and what you learn in the military. So many of those principles cross over into the right way to run a home services business. You know, our, our guiding principle in our company is treat every customer the way you would want your family to be treated, you know, and, and our mission statement is build leaders and pursue growth while providing award-winning service. And both of these are, you know, tools in our, in our metaphorical tool belt out there running this business that help us make decisions on a day-to-day basis. But both of those really go back to what you, what's instilled in you when you go into the military, you know, you go through basic and you go through tech school or whatever the case may be. And then you go into the fire service. It's very similar principles, you know, the, the things that we learn and that are instilled in us, the way you, you treat your, your patients, you know, and way that you, you respond to situations uh, it's, it's the, treating people the right way and, and the desire to serve, you know, and that's, there's so many crossovers and, and parallels and to way, the right way to run a business and, and your service as a firefighter. Uh, but I always thought one of the coolest things about being a firefighter was you got paid to work out, you know, gym time was good time for me. I loved it uh, every day. And so I always thought that was real cool to get paid to work out. You know, I just felt like we were, you know, tactical athletes as firefighters. It was the closest thing to being a pro athlete, you know, cause you got to play the intramurals and have fun. And so the camaraderie, the being around the team and uh, the fire department team and, you know, doing those kinds of things, I always thought getting paid to work out was just such a privilege and so I always had dreams and visions of in my company, once I got it to a size where I could afford to, I wanted to be able to pay our team members to work out. And so, yeah, now we have a gym at our shop and we have a, a bonus for our team. So if they if they hit the gym three times a week or three hours a week, they log it and it gets uh, recorded. They get a bonus every pay period of one hundred dollars. So basically at the end of the year, twenty six hundred dollars 
just to hit the gym and stay in shape. And so it's a, it's a win-win on both sides. You know, the team member stays in shape and the company gets team members that are staying in shape. So, you know, similarly in the fire department, as you know, like some people don't take advantage of the gym time and it always has repercussions on their health. So, you know, we always try to encourage that in the company. Yeah, that is great. You know, having opportunity to uh, work out during work and actually getting paid for it, man, that's pretty awesome philosophy. It sounds like a great company to work for. Uh, so you mentioned that you're in the military for six years, correct? Yep. And a little bit of time in the guard. Yep. Tell us a little bit about your military experience. I mean, uh, you pretty much covered it all, but what rank did you achieve? You know, what bases were you at? Yeah. So uh, as far as my, my service places I was at, you know, I, I went to Allison Air Force Base right after uh, tech school. Um, so, you know, I was, I grew up in Indiana. I grew up in the Midwest and it was, you know, I got off, come out of Texas and my du- first duty station was Ileson. And so I remember getting off the plane and, you know, they didn't have the nice warm tarmac. You got off, you got off the plane, walked down to the ground and then you walked in the terminal. And so the first day I got off the plane, it was negative 28 degrees. It was January 4th. And, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it's like, hey, welcome to Alaska. So, um, but yeah, I got picked up. Uh, from the airport, I think it was like Sergeant Glosson or Sergeant Grady, who are, I think they're both civilians now, but you know, that was, that was my first duty station. And uh, I met a lot of my friends today. That's the cool thing about the fire service. As you know, once you make a friend in the fire service, you're always one to two degrees away from another person that knows another person, you know? So uh, a lot of my buddies that I made on active duty are still buddies today, but yeah, I spent uh, two years there. And then I went into the guard, went back to Indiana, uh, went into Terre Haute Air National Guard Base, uh, used to be the 1-800-181st fighter wing, and uh, they got bracked. So they lost their fighter mission. They lost their fire department. And so my last year, which was my sixth year, that base that base closed down. But um, they gave us a farewell gift as they closed down the Air National Guard base. They sent us to Curacao on a six-month TDY, um, which was, you know, a little heaven on earth on half of the island. The other half of the island was filled with nut jobs and terrorists and the third world country, but it was still beautiful. And so it was a nice, nice uh, way to go out of my air force career. But yeah, that sums it up, man. That was the six years. So two in Alaska, uh, loved it. Went down to Anchorage quite a bit, um, with the rescue school at uh, Elmendorf. So I got to spend some time down there and you know, the, that was the locations that I went to as a act in the military. And then once I got out of the military, I went to, uh, see, I worked at Camp Atterbury Fire Department, worked at Fort Campbell. And then after Fort Campbell, I went to Grissom. And so I got to Grissom in 2010 and I worked there up until just last year. So um, that sums up kind of the places I went to as a, as a firefighter. But uh, that's 17 years of life, man. I summed up in about two minutes. <laughs> well, tell us about your business a little bit. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit, you know, opening it up uh, that you have a business, but you know, what's the name of it? What services do you provide? You know, how many employees, you know, what's the business all about? Yeah. So the name of the company is fire dogs, junk removal. And you know, it's familiar with a lot of people in the fire department will be able to relate to this. It's just some good old fashioned grunt work. We pick things up, put things down, we tear things down. And uh, you know, essentially we do the, the tough, dirty jobs that people could do themselves, but they don't want to. Um, and so, you know, a lot of stuff that we do, we tear down sheds, tear down swing sets, old hot tubs, clean out basements, clean out garages, clean out hoarders. So, you know, that's that's a, in the nutshell what we do. Um, started in Indianapolis and I did it on my days off shift from the firehouse. Again, I did it with a, a buddy of mine that was a firefighter with me. 
Um, he's no longer in the business, but we started it in 2011. And uh, days off shift, we would do it all. We would answer the phones, go out and do the work. And we had some help from some other guys at the fire department there with us that would work part time and just slowly started chipping away and uh, trying to drum up some business. And so that was in 2011, serving Indianapolis um, while we were still full time firefighters. And then, you know, fast forward to today, it's, uh, you know, 12 truck operation. We have a uh, location in Indianapolis, location in Fort Wayne. We run a couple trucks out of Fort Wayne, and then we have we just opened a location in Bloomington, which is just southwest of Indianapolis. And so, you know, trying to, you know, my big long-term goal is to be able to service the entire state of Indiana. So I'm going to keep building and pursuing growth inside of the company, both uh, top-line revenue and hopefully learn a lot of leadership lessons along the way because the last 10 years have been uh, filled with them, <laughs> filled with leadership lessons and uh, humbling lessons, you know, made a lot of mistakes along the way, but it's been an exciting journey and uh, you know, going through it. It's sometimes I, I almost wish a lot of people would, would, would start their own business because you just learn so many valuable lessons along the way. But I, I mean, I know that's not possible, but the, when you're responsible for other people and their ability to, you know, earn and provide for their families, it's a, it's a humbling experience and it's, it definitely t- takes on a different level of responsibility, but you know, it's one that, the military and uh, firefighting make you uniquely qualified to do because you're used to that kind of pressure. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell what the, what the business is today and, and where we're at today and where we started and hope that answered the question there. <laughs> yeah, it did. Certainly. And very I mean, pretty successful so far, it sounds like to me. And I, I listened a little bit to your podcast and by the way, he has a podcast for all those listeners that uh, might be interested in, listening to it. What's the name of the podcast? The name of the podcast is Firepreneurs. So Firepreneurs. That's right. Yeah. yeah and I, I've listened to a few episodes and I remember listening to, I think one of the first ones and you, you talked through the journey and there was a lot of trials and tribulations starting out. Uh, it wasn't easy going. It doesn't sound like, but it sounds like you've oh, yeah. been incredibly successful up to this point. A lot of pain along the way. You know, that's kind of one of the inspirations of, for uh, the Firepreneurs podcast is, you know, I think that firefighters having a side hustle is kind of like a time-honored tradition and but what you don't hear a lot of is firefighters that really get beyond that owner operator mindset where it's just kind of you know when it's an owner operator it's more like a job a second job you know but i i wanted to do the podcast to kind of help other firefighters that have a business on their days off kind of squash some of those self-limiting beliefs you know which some of those self-limiting beliefs is like you know, I can't scale this business. I'm, I'm a full-time firefighter. I can just build a little side hustle. Right. But the reality is when you learn systems and processes and you figure out a way to work on the business and not in it, you can scale a business on your days off. And so the podcast is really just, uh, you know, trying to teach people through a ton of mistakes that I made along the way, uh, but also hopefully along the way, help people lose some of those self-limiting beliefs um, because those, those things are real, not just when you're running a business, but just also when you're, when you're pursuing your career, right? Sometimes you can like talk yourself. Once you get between the ears, you can talk yourself out of a lot of things, you know, living inside your head's a dangerous place sometimes. So, you know, the podcast is just there to like let other people who might be in similar positions, you know, know that, Hey, somebody else has gone through it too. Here's how we push through. Here's how you might push through and, and things of that nature. So I'd like to hit on some of the mistakes and lessons. And, you know, obviously you have a whole podcast dedicated to highlighting those things. And, I, you know, I don't want to have you, have you hit all of them, but I'd like to hit on a few of them. But my first question is, what's the 
when you first jumped into this, what is the the marketplace like? So actually, before we even go there, what got you into junk removal? Um, you know, it's, I guess I, I was really kind of intrigued by it. You know, when I got out of active duty, I used my VA home loan. I was single. So I got out of active duty and I was in the guard. I used my VA home loan and I bought a duplex and I lived in the crappy unit and I rented out the, the nice one to college kids and we kind of fixed it up. And then I ended up selling that and I rolled the money from that into buying <laughs> this condemned, dilapidated building that was walking distance to Indiana State. And uh, I mean, this thing was about to get torn down, but I was like, hey, I'll buy that. You know, and <laughs> we bought it and we gutted it down to the studs and, you know, go ahead and let you know that it worked out. We ended up turning it into a six unit apartment building. But at the time it was like, that was almost my entrepreneurial journey right there was I could have failed on that building. Um, but we gutted it down to the studs and in doing so I had to rely on uh, help from other people. Cause at the time I was still in the guard. I was a full-time college student. I was a full-time firefighter at Indiana state. So this um, at the uh, guard base, they had a state fire department. So I worked for the fire department as a state employee and, uh, and so I had bought this building. So I was still kind of an entrepreneur too, you know, so I was super busy and I had to help have people help me along the way. So I, you know, I was hiring out some trades like plumbing, electrical, um, but I also was having some people help me with the demo. Cause it was, just, you know, I only had me and another buddy kind of doing the tear out in this company that I hired. I couldn't find anybody in Terre Haute and I couldn't get good help, but this company I got a hold of, man, it was like uncle buck. They would pull up to the job site. The truck would backfire half the time. It wouldn't show up at all. When it did show up, they were always late. And I just remember kind of saying to myself, like, man, if I ever like get out of doing these rental properties, I'm going to like start a like professional demolition slash hauling business, you know? And uh, so fast forward, when I graduated college and I, I went, took the job at Fort Campbell, at the time I had six apartment buildings and uh, 21 apartments. And so I kind of built up this nice little real, real estate business, but I had partners and, you know, there, there was one of my, my failings along the way as I partnered with some guys that the relationship just wasn't very good. We had different visions. And so starting with the, you know, beginning with the end in mind, whenever you go into business, whoever you're going to business with, you got to make sure there's alignment. And uh, in my real estate business, the, my first couple partners, there wasn't. And so long story short, when I graduated college and I took the job at Fort Campbell, I sold my interest in that real estate company and parted ways with those guys which is kind of a bummer because it was a nice little business, but, you know, lesson learned and moved on. But I always hung on to that like experience with not being able to rely on people to help me with the tear out. So when I got to Grissom in 2011, one of my, my best friends from active duty had just got picked up at Grissom and we were just sitting around like, man, let's, let's start a business on our days off. And we were bouncing around all kinds of ideas. And I'd kind of forgotten about that uh, hauling business. And then I saw a documentary on Brian Scudamore, and then I went and talked to my buddy. I was like, this is the business. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> let's go pick up other people's junk and trash. And uh, so that's kind of the inspiration, uh, the long story about how I came up with the idea for, or how we, I should say, came up with the idea for a junk removal hauling business. Yeah, that's a great story. And it's kind of funny how it just, the idea fell on you kind of randomly. It's not something that you necessarily aspired to your whole life. Like I'm going to own a business and this is what it's going to be. It, you know, and I think you hear that a lot. Well, I, I don't know if this is a good example to use, but I watch Shark Tank a lot. And it seems that a lot of those contestants on there, it's always a problem in their life that they're trying to solve. Right. Yeah. And that's why they create a product. Well, it sounds pretty similar to your experience and 
you had trouble finding people that were reliable in this particular industry. And well, I know I could do well in it, so let's give it a shot, you know, and it's a pretty cool story. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious to know, it sounds like you had some background in, obviously you had some background in real estate, a a little bit of background in, in, in managing kind of a business for lack of a better term, but what was the, what was the market like for this particular industry when you first jumped into, I mean, was it nerve wracking jumping into this? You know, it was, I guess that you could say that there was like a level of, you know, nervousness or maybe slight, like a little anxious about what would happen, you know, because, you know, at that time it was 2011 and there wasn't a lot of junk removal and hauling companies out there. There was a lot of chucking trucks, you know, guys that were just driving around old beat up pickup trucks, but there wasn't what there is today, which is more of a professionalized, you know, spin on the business. You know, there's a number of franchises for sale today. Um, And there were a few at that time. Um, but 1-800-GOT-JUNK, for example, is the largest in the world. And they had an operation in Indianapolis. And so, you know, it's it's funny how there's the scarcity mindset versus the abundancy mindset. And at that time, it was definitely a scarcity mindset. You know, I remember my partner and I were like, man, we got to, if we could only get as big as 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And at that time, 1-800-GOT-JUNK was like a maybe a two-truck operation, two, three-truck operation. And, uh, and they're south, they had a franchise in the Southern part of Indianapolis that had gone out of business. And so that, yeah, there was a level of like uncertainty, like, is this going to work? But at the same time, you know, my partner and I, we knew what we were capable of. We knew what we were about, you know, we were the kind of guys that we would put our heads down and do the hard work. We weren't afraid of it. And so we just knew that we had to go drum up some business. And, uh, you know, uh, I grew up in Speedway on the West side of Indianapolis. And, you know, so fortunately I, I went out there and started dropping off some business cards and, trying to get our name out there. My partner and I did, and we got a job right out the gate and it was uh, with the redevelopment commission and speedway. And it was funny because the whole business almost didn't happen because my partner, we were loading up a truck and he had a piece of plywood, four by eight sheet of plywood. And he was tossing it in the truck and I was tossing crap in the truck too. Cause that's what you do. And uh, the wind caught it. And this thing zoomed by my head and missed my temple by like two inches. And I just remember like freezing and looking at him and he was looking at me wide eyed. He thought I was done, you know? <laughs> so like, that's the thing about entrepreneurship is like, there's all these little moments that, you know, when that might not have even gotten off the ground, you know? And I, the last 10 years were filled with little forks in the road like that, but that one was kind of a funny one. Um, but yeah, like, so the first job, it almost got, I almost got aced, you know, with the piece of plywood. Yeah. That's crazy. What, what about like the technical learning curves? I mean, it, it's grunt work. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, you put stuff in the back of the truck. I seem to take it to the dump, but uh, I imagine there's probably some unseen technical aspects of the job, you know, how to take things apart and what order to do it, how to load the truck. Was, uh, was there any significant learning curve starting out like that? Or you just threw stuff in the back of a truck? Yeah. I think, you know, when you start in a home services business there, there's like your, your trades, your HVAC, your electrical, your plumbing, you know, and, and so if you, if you grew up and maybe apprenticed on one of those jobs before you went into the fire service, you might be able to start a business like that. But the barrier to entry, if you don't have any of that background experience is going to be difficult. So, you know, junk removal, you know, other businesses similar to that, you know, like maybe, uh, you know, pressure washing, carpet cleaning, window cleaning, you know, painting, for example. I mean, there's, there's those things that you can kind of stumble your way through it, if that makes sense. And junk removal is definitely one of those things, right? It's, it's, it's grunt work. It's, 
it's physical manual labor and not many people want to do that this day and age. So we knew that since we were willing to do that, we already had a leg up. But then the rest of the things that you learn along the way, you know, the fire department uniquely prepared us for. So, you know, a lot of the work that we do, the demo, like so when we tear down an old shed or we're cutting up an old hot tub and, and hauling that away or, you know, demoing a deck, you're using a lot of the same tools that you use in the fire service. You know, we use sawzalls, chainsaws, you know, pry bars. I mean, there, there's a number of those tools that you're already used to using. So a lot of that kind of came naturally. And, you know, that being said, like when we when we rolled up to our first hot tub, we're like, dude, what do we do with this thing? Like, we can't pick that up. You know, we're dumb grunts. We're like, oh, let's go try and pick it up first. You know, <laughs> like that's not going to happen. So yeah, then you just default to like, oh, we know how to use the sawzall, you know. But that being said, in fairness, we also – you know, went out there and tried to research what some other companies were doing. There wasn't as much content on the internet at that time as there is today. Like if you wanted to start a junk removal business and I'm not revealing any secrets here, you could type in any type of job on YouTube and you'll have a video of somebody doing it. So like in 2021, there's no reason like to fail starting a home services company because there's a pretty much a video out there tutorial showing you how to do everything. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. whether or not you want to go consume the content and then have the, the gumption to go out there and give it a shot. Um, but, you know, back then in 2011, it wasn't like we were starting with no knowledge either. We kind of had some of it instilled in us from the fire department. And then we did a little research to make sure we weren't, you know, screwing it up right out the gate. Right. And we had insurance right out the gate. So in case we did screw something up, we were covered, you know. Um, but there's got to be a level of humility and a willingness to, to make mistakes. And when you make a mistake, you got to own it, you know. And, and I think if you go into your home services company with that mindset, you're going to, you know, be able to get, get pretty far. Yeah. I was just going to say that uh, that's probably a staple of being success, being successful as an entrepreneur. And the thing that I was going to mention was the research. You know, if, if you're willing to do the research and you're willing to be humble and understand that you may not know everything, that's, it's probably the foundational piece of being successful really. Absolutely. You know, and that's, it's, it's not a, it's not something that a lot of people take the time to do. So, you know, when you are willing to do that, you already have a, a good head start. Yeah. Well, you've already hit on a couple lessons learned and, you know, some of the struggles early on. But you know, what are some of the, the bigger mistakes or lessons learned with the business that you uh, feel worth sharing with some military firefighters that may be listening? Oh, there's so many, man. You know, I think... Uh, probably the biggest one that I, I look back on and I, you know, I wish here's the thing is I don't really look back and like have regrets because everything, every mistake made only better prepared me for the obstacles that lied ahead. And as I continue to grow the business, there's just, it's not like the obstacles are done. They're just different obstacles. If you know what I'm saying. Um, But I think some of the, the early mistakes, I think in the first one year, one year, two year, three, some of those early mistakes, sometimes they, you were making mountains out of molehills. And when you do that, that's when you can really start to doubt your ability and you you start to lose your confidence and you start to second guess yourself. And I know that I was 100% guilty of that in the the year one, year two, where, you know, the first two years of a business, you're just not going to turn a huge profit. You know, you're going to be grinding and you're going to put your, you're going to put your sweat equity in, and it's in those moments, if you don't have the knowledge um, or if you don't have the confidence, you can really get inside your own head. And so I think one of the best things that somebody could do that's a fire dog out there thinking about 
doing a business maybe in phase two of their life, you know, like yourself, when you retire, you know, you might start something. Or if you just want to have a side hustle while you're a fire dog, maybe you're a civilian fire dog or you're not in the military anymore. But I would I would go ahead and start investing in in knowledge, you know, read some books on business. And and what you'll find is that a lot of people have already done it and succeeded. Uh, and, may, and levels of success is subjective, but they push through those obstacles. And so I think a lot of people, you hear these stats about businesses that don't make it past year one or year three or whatever the case may be. I think the difference between a lot of successful businesses and those that are unsuccessful are the ones that just keep going. Yeah, persevere. Just keep going, right. And, you know, the early on, I remember somebody told me to read a book. Uh, he was, he's another business owner. He's actually, his business has exploded. He's, he's franchising across the country now, but I, I had reached out to him early on in my business and he had told me to read a book called the E-Myth Revisited. And, uh, and it just talks about entrepreneurship. And I ended up not reading that book till 2014, but I, I wished I had read it sooner. Um, because anytime you invest in your growth mentally, uh, it's only going to pay dividends in confidence and perseverance when it comes to those tough times. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say one of the early mistakes is not, I did my research on how to do the thing, you know, how to do the job, how to market the business, but I didn't invest in my personal growth, my professional development as much in the first couple of years. And in hindsight, I, I would have shot have done that sooner. And so anybody who's a fire dog out there starting a business, you know, I would do that early on. And, you know, it's just, it's honestly, it's just like the fire Academy, you know, when you're first going through, and I don't know if you had this experience or not, but I'm sure there's some people out there that could relate in that a fire dog, you're coming out of act, you're coming out of a basic and you go to the fire Academy and it can feel like intimidating, right? It's this big thing. And I know the structure is different now from when I went through, but you know, people will talk about drags and drags and carries and hose advancements. And then you get out in the arf pit, you know, there's, they would make it sound like this huge mountain that you had to climb. Right. But then you know, I don't know. I would see some people graduating and I, and I would see some of the people walking out of the chow hall and I'm like, and they had just graduated. And I'm like, man, those guys could do it. Man, if that guy can get through. I'm totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like that yeah. self-limiting belief you have. And then you're like, oh, wait, other people have done this. Like this. Yeah, is- I can, I can relate to that too, for it's sure. Not, it's not a mountain, right? It's just a molehill that you got to stomp. And uh, that's a lot like what business is. It's just. Well, I'm, I'm glad you explained that. Cause I was going to ask you what making mountains out of molehills is, but that, uh, that explains it well. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, like I said, I can, I can certainly relate to that. And I happens to this day or even, you know, in the military, you're always motivated to move to the next rank or to the next base or to the next position. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the same applies for civilian firefighters within the military, or really anybody that's, uh, you know, striving for excellence in their, in their career. Uh, sometimes it seems unachievable, or it looks kind of unrealistic. And when you take it a day at a time and you, you persevere through those tough times and, you know, you, you hit failures, but you get back up and try it again. Yep. Sometimes you stand up and look back and realize, you know, well, this, that was, that was very achievable, you know? So, and for me, that's kind of like a dopamine dumper. It's almost a, a motivation to, well, what else do I got? You know, what else? what else I got in the tank? You know, there's so much more that you can achieve than you think. I think our minds place limitations on us. Yep. Um, and it's just all about persevering and breaking through those, those mental limitations. 
Yeah, not getting comfortable too, right? Because like once you get to that that goal that you set and then you get there, it's like you can't get comfortable. Now you got to set a new one. So you keep yourself churning, you know. Right. Always always kind of straddle that threshold between being comfortable and uncomfortable. Making sure you don't go too far in either one direction. You know, any other big lessons um you think we're sharing on on that? You know the the business world is is challenging, um, but so is just anything really. Like you know, life is challenging. So knowing that you know, I, I don't know if you any of my listeners relate to this, but you know, the firehouse we watched a TV show called The Wire, <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a scene that's really funny in that that show. But it, it's it's also like a serious scene where you know basically this candidate is becoming a. Uh, becoming mayor and he had ran this really tough race and he tells the story about how on his first day he was kind of walking in the office you know the big office expecting to get like congratulated and like man you did it you know congratulations all this hard work blah blah blah. but instead what he got was um the like the outgoing mayor handed him a bowl and he says what's this for he goes this is your bowl and he goes here's your spoon and every day somebody's gonna walk through that door right there and dump a big pile of shit in it and when they do you're gonna have to eat it every day and when you finish the bowl, the next day is going to have more ready to fill that bowl. And like, you know, you think about it, it's, it's kind of a funny, cynical way of looking at it. But if you exchange, you know, that for obstacles and you fill that every day, that bowl is going to get filled with obstacles and you just get ready to you get your mind wrapped around being ready to eat those obstacles every day and know that no matter what that day's obstacles are or how hard they were, once you get past them, there's still more around the corner. Once you train your mind and get your mind prepared for that, the obstacles that face you in business are all surmountable. And so then it just becomes a matter of, again, back to time and perseverance, time, consistency and perseverance. And that's what will push you past, you know, the SBA, those critical like first year, three years, five years, get you into year 10. You know, it's just getting your mind calloused as uh, to steal that from David Goggins, right? Callousing your mind and preparing mm-hmm. for every day you're going to face obstacles. Just get ready to eat them. That's good advice for life, really. It's helped me quite a bit, and and but not just in business, but in life, trying to get my mind ready to deal with those obstacles every day. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, yeah, I find myself doing the same thing. What helps me is reading history or listening to history, mm. or you know, and, and seeing how absolutely good we have it in the world today and using that perspective and uh anyways to to use your metaphor of you know that that bowl of shit that you get delivered every day it's like well it's nowhere near the bowl or the table full of shit that they were dealt during world war ii or in eastern europe in uh during the cold war for example you know we are living in the best time in human history and in the best country in human history. And so this bowl is nothing right? when you put, when you put things into perspective, but that's uh, that's great advice. I'm glad you hit that. Yeah, man. Perspective, like trench warfare, trench warfare, world war one, like, come on. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, you yeah. gotta keep it in perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Studying history is so important because you forget a lot of the stories and a lot of the stories that, are being are unfolding today have already unfolded in some form or fashion in the past, you know, so it's just keep it perspective. It's good advice. Yeah. Well, let's talk about 
maybe lessons, principles, values that you picked up in the military that translated well into running your business? Anything specific that comes to your mind? I was Air Force, man. So, you know, integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we do. Can't help it. You know, those things were instilled in me in basic. I carried them with me to the fire fire department. Now, listen, like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about all these things. Like I was a hooligan when I was, you know, a young airman in a, in a single and, you know, I was a firefighter. Like it's the coolest job in the world. Right. Like I was trading on that card, you know, I was having fun. Um, but still like there's, there's these lessons that you learn and they just stay with you, you know, and, and integrity is, it's still to this day, I give speeches in our company or or I I teach a leadership course in our company about integrity and what it means and the duality of the meaning and, you know, how do you exercise integrity? And, and I, it's still something that not just in business or in your personal life, it's, it's something that I wish more people would just talk about because the more you talk about it, the more commonplace it becomes. And it becomes like one of those standards of, of living, but you, you can see all around you when people aren't exercising it. Right. And so in our company, it's something that we stand on and it, you know, recently this past year, we, one of the biggest accomplishments we've had so far is we won the business of integrity award by the better business bureau. So, you know, putting in the nine years of trying to teach the things that we learned in the military and try to put it into a services company and making nine years of mistakes, but along the way, getting better each time, each iteration, getting a little bit better than the last, you know, to, to kind of, you know, the work's not done, mind you, but like, that was kind of a nice culmination of that work to see that award come, you know, with our team, but life has a way of also humbling, you you know, so we win the award and on the same, on the same token, we had some people in our company that weren't exercising integrity and and that comes to light, you know? And so I, I, it's no different than a fire department. And if, if you've worked in enough fire departments, right. There's the firefighter that your kid thinks you are. And then you go to the firehouse and then there's some guys that are bad apples, bad actors. Right. And, and that's across the board in business and in and fire departments and in life that not everybody is exercising integrity each day. Um, but it's still important to use that and, and do your best to communicate what it is and how it should be executed. So that's still something every year and every year going forward, that'll be continue to be something that a core value of the air force that I continue to try to instill in our young people and our company, because just like in the military, you know, I got guys coming into our company that are 19, 18. I have 18 year old in my company right now. I have 19 year olds and I have 29 year olds and I have a 52 year old in my company. Right. So I've got all age age ranges in there, but some of these young kids, you know, when you go into the military, you're learning structure right away. Some of these kids have never had it. They're coming into our company and have never had structure in their life, period. And so they're learning it for the first time. So we get so used to hearing words like integrity and service and excellence in our service in the military and the fire department. But we can take for granted that some of the young people, like, for example, in our company coming in, we still have to communicate those messages because that might be the first time they're ever hearing it. You know, they didn't have influences in their life talking about those things. So it's still important to beat the drum. Mm-hmm. And even, even that, and beyond the values, beyond the core values, I can see even I can see some more parallels with the Air Force and your business, in specifically with your leadership training, or having to develop kind of uh, the young people of America or in, in Indiana where your business is. I think that 
that is probably a pretty valuable thing that we get in the Air Force that we take for granted, that kind of leadership and mentorship and development. It's really instilled into the culture, into the fabric of of our service and in the fire service within the Air Force specifically. And you mentioning that you have leadership training and that you host it and, and you teach your employees, it, it reminded me of, you know, professional military education a little bit when you when you talk about it. Um, so it sounds to me that, and I'm sure these are things that you think of, but uh, it sounds to me like the, the mil- your military service was a, um, it's a pretty strong foundation that you used um, when, when developing and building this business. Yeah, you can tell I'm pretty unoriginal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it, what, what, if it works, it works, right? I it mean, does, it's in uh, the military is a, um, you know, you're talking centuries. You know, I know the Air Force is, you know, 1947, but the uh, the United States military has been existed for for a few centuries at this point, and uh, there's a whole lot of trials and tribulations and a whole lot of conflicts. And you're talking about experiencing the worst that humanity has to offer. And then having those lessons develop your institution, you know, so why, why not take what you've learned in the military and apply that to owning a business or even conducting yourself in life? Because what better lessons than, you know, human suffering and and warfare, right? And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what shaped our professional military, professional military education and, and you know, the way that we march or the discipline that we have, the attention to detail that we should have with our uniforms and the way that we conduct business. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of parallels and why not use them if you're, uh, if you're a business owner. Absolutely. You know, and one thing I've learned too is like, you know, cause I've, I've worked with some other businesses and like a coaching slash consulting environment as well. And what I've, what I've seen even outside of my company, it's, it's that, home services, services, or just any kind of business, you know, it could be anything. People may not like to have a supervisor or have, you know, somebody that has authority over them, so to speak. But the reality is that I've seen organizations that lack structure and even some of the hardest, you know, the hard asses, the people that I don't need a supervisor. You know what I've even found in some of these organizations, they still want structure though. They still want structure and organization because they still want to know that the work they're putting in is part of a bigger plan, you know? And so when I go in some of these other companies that don't have the structure or organization, some of the people in those companies who maybe, you know, maybe a class clown, they may be like your stubborn person that I don't need somebody micromanaging me, you know, but what they're also, once you get down to it, one of the things that I found is that they still want the organization to have structure. And, and discipline, but not like in discipline in the way like you're disciplining someone, but discipline in that people are consistently following the behaviors that lead to the success of the organization. So like your structure and organization have are just time tested, you know, and that's so even in the, the renegade culture, you know, they still want the company they work for, the organization they work for to have like a certain level of structure and discipline. And, and I think the military is just, you know, second to none in teaching us that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a necessity for warfare, you know, and if you don't have structure and discipline, then you're going to, you're going to, um, fail as an army. Um, yeah, I think that's probably a a human instinct to want structure and to want direction and leadership and, uh, want to know why you're doing what you're doing. I don't think that that's a, 
it's not a um, it's not a characteristic of a younger generation to have to explain why. I think human beings want to know why they're doing what they're doing, um, so that they're motivated to do it, and they they know what their work is accomplishing. But uh, yeah, that's great stuff. Um, so, what if any recommendations would you give for those in the military now? interested or aspiring to be entrepreneurs and not so much in, you know, we talked about some recommendations earlier on if you're going to start a business, I'm talking about, I guess how, how they could set themselves up for success, use the time that they have now in the military to set themselves up for success. If they want to open their own business, you talked a little bit about reading, but is there anything else that the military might have to offer? Yeah, you know, there's there's little habit forming behaviors. I, I sincerely believe this. Like the little habit forming behaviors you create daily, uh, they may be small, but if you can make them consistent, they add up over time. It can lead to massive impact and massive action. So the small, tiny behaviors today, repeated in a week to multiple weeks, spinning over into a year, you know, those habit forming behaviors can serve you really well and create massive action down the road. So whether that habit forming behavior right now that you're creating is setting aside a little time each day to do some extra reading, um, you know, whether that's setting aside a little extra money out of each paycheck into a, a piggy bank, you know, an account that you don't touch, you set up a small allotment that is, you know, maybe a little nest egg for you to possibly take the entrepreneurial leap when you get out of your, uh, out of active duty or you retire or, you know, making a, making some time to each time or maybe once a week, once a month, you know, writing down and revisiting some goals that you write down for yourself. You know, there's just so much power in doing some of the basics, which is, you know, I, we believe in goal setting behavior in our company. We have weekly meetings in our company and uh, at different levels of the organizations, we have a, like a, a upper management meeting. We have an operations meeting. We have a call center dispatch meeting. And, but in each one of those meetings each week, it's not like we're getting all corporate, but it's just a goal setting meeting. So like each week we all set goals, you know, and, and then that goal setting behavior, it's a small incremental gain each week, you know? And so those things, those behaviors are so consistent. So, you know, whether it means setting aside a little money to build up a nest egg, whether it means setting a little time each day to read um, or just like getting in the habit of setting goals for yourself, you know, weekly goals, monthly goals, quarterly goals, I think the, all those little habit forming behaviors are what's going to make someone successful in the entrepreneurial space. Should they choose to pursue that after their military careers or fire department careers. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we can get out of that habit in the fire department because our schedule is so wonky. You know, I was on a 4872. I'm sure you've worked probably every schedule there is out there. You know, I've worked a 2424. I've worked a 4848 and a 4872. I've worked a 2448. You know, those schedules sometimes can, can make it challenging to create some of these habit forming behaviors. But again, that comes back to the discipline, you know, like getting yourself set to, uh, you know, setting, putting some action items in front of yourself, whether it's set a calendar invite for yourself to prompt you to do something like maybe sometimes it's just setting aside time to think, you know, these are some of the things that I do to this day. You know, I, my calendar is sometimes filled. I hack myself, you know, I make sure that I set aside on, uh, Wednesdays, one thirty to three thirty is like two hours of like nothing. <laughs> like that's time for me to think, you know? And so I set a calendar invite for myself to do that. So, 
you know, there's these sound like really small behaviors, but if you actually took the time to do some of these, man, they would they could really add up to some some big dividends down the road. So that'd be yeah, some advice I'd give anybody. That's all. That's fantastic advice. And my partner Ben's going to be mad at me because I'm going to. He says I bring up Jocko Willink in every episode. Oh, dude, he, he, he kind of messes with me, but I don't know, man. I guess I worship the guy or something. But he says. And, you know, if you're familiar with me, you know this, but discipline equals freedom. And initially when I heard that, I was like, okay, you know, it's kind of a, it, it seemed like a bumper sticker kind of thing to me. And, uh, but, but when he talked about it, I'm like, oh. so the whole premise is when you do things that you're supposed to do, the things that you know, you're supposed to do, cause you know what you're supposed to do. Yep. You have the freedom down the road to do what you want to do. Yep. Right. And then I guess, to, to bring that in terms of a business, um, you have the freedom to expand within the state of Indiana or to expand across the nation. If you consistently every day have discipline in the way that you conduct business, you're going to set yourself up for success for what you want. So yeah, discipline equals freedom, but, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. And I, well, know dude, I, I got a piggyback then because go ahead, go ahead. Jocko is the man, um, extreme ownership, um, so I have a 12 week training program to also parallel the fire department. Right. So kind of like your CDCs. <laughs> so I am completely ate up. We have, a yeah, 12, there you go. we have a 12 week training program for you to become a crew chief in the company, which means you can run a two person team in our junk trucks. Uh, but your first four weeks is called your probationary period. So you're a pro, <laughs> a pro for your first four weeks, Man, but you have to read in those first four weeks, every single person in my company has to read the book, extreme ownership. And then not only do that, but they have to take a quiz on Fire Dog's history. So in their first four weeks as a probie, they learn Fire Dog's history of the company and what it means to be a Fire Dog and where it came from. So I pay homage to all my brothers and sisters out there. But then they also have to read the book Extreme Ownership. And we make each team member not only read the book, they can listen to it on audio too. So if they're more of an audio person, but they have to take a quiz. And the quiz is we pull out 20 questions from the book that we feel like teach really good leadership principles. So we, uh, we ask the questions, they take the quiz at the end of the quiz, we go over all the answers, just like in the book, I'm sure you're familiar with, there's the application to business. Well, we take it a step further and say application to fire dogs. Um, because man, I mean, just, if there's ever a book out there that just really sums up the sound leadership principles, it's extreme mm-hmm. ownership. So it's a uh, mandatory no reader. Yeah, no better foundational book. And that book personally changed my life in the way that I approach the day and work and everything else. That's a that's a fan that's a great idea though. Have your employees read that. It yeah. sounds like the culture is pretty awesome there. Sounds like it's a great place to work. Really investing in the learning and development and leadership of uh, your employees. Some of you guys might disagree with you on uh, at June on a long day, but <laughs> you know, for a job that's uh, heavy manual labor, we try to do we try to be more than just a junk removal company. We try to make sure we're teaching leadership principles, and because uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals where we tell everybody, you know, we didn't always do this when we were hiring in the company, but as we've grown and matured, I tell everybody that we bring on a team that we're under no illusion that it's not your dream to be a junk remover, right? Unlike mm-hmm. firefighting, it's that's a dream job for a lot of people. And it was for me. Uh, people don't dream about going into a junk removal company. But what we make a promise to them, and I think that this really speaks to leadership in the fire department too, which is, you know, reach one, teach one. And, you know, if 
if somebody comes into our company, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that when they leave, they leave better than when they came. And I think that as a young NCO or a young officer in the firehouse, or maybe just a leader on the back seat, you know, if you're, if you're in a position where you're over somebody, it's your responsibility to make sure that firefighter is better off having worked under you by the time they're done, you know, or worked with you, you know, you should always be trying to sharp iron sharpens iron. You know, that's, that's always been something that I philosophy I live by. And so our junk removal company, it's not sexy. It's not like a great career. It's not like a firefighter. Right. But if we're going and approaching it where we're trying to make sure that everybody leaves the company better than when they came, that starts to feed into the whole team. And then you start, you try to create this iron sharpens iron mindset. Yeah. So what's the future look like for the business? What do you guys got planned? I mean, you mentioned expanding within the state. Is there anything else? Yeah, the amen is, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Indiana, uh, but, you know, I'm big on strategy and uh, I don't make any bones about it. You know, our, our aim is to be able to service the entire state. So I want to have an operation in every city in the state of Indiana and continue to uh, grow the company, pursue growth, not just, uh, you know, in between the years, but also I want to grow the company, you know, and create opportunities for those team members that do want to stay with us and help us grow and be part of uh, the future. So the, that's the plan, man. I've got a, my big goal is state of Indiana by 2026. So, you know, I like to put it out there and say it out loud. So I have to hold myself accountable to do it now, you know? So I'll listen to this podcast in four years and say, Nope, I said I was going to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> yeah. there you so go. That's the big, that's the big goal. It's important to have aim. Yeah. Um, no matter who you are, but uh, yeah, that's awesome. I hope you do it. I, I look forward to seeing your successes. I follow you again on uh, on social media. And what's your social media handle for those that may be interested in following you? Yeah, my wife is the uh, the brains behind the social media. Uh, but I think uh, we're at Fire Dogs Junk Removal on Instagram. Um, it's Fire Dogs Junk Removal on Facebook. Uh, for firepreneurs, it's at firepreneurs on Instagram and firepreneurs on uh, Facebook. And on U- we have a YouTube channel as well where we, we display the uh, podcasts. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, those are our outlets for those two pieces. Cool. Well, Bennett, it was great talking to you. And, man, we talked about some great stuff. And I know that there's some value to be had there, you know, and especially those who are uh, aspiring to own businesses at some point in their life. Um, it, it was really great talking to you. I appreciate you sharing your insight. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, that's it, brother. Man, I appreciate your time. Uh, I like what you guys are doing. I've been a fan from day one. I hope you guys keep doing it and add value to the fire dogs out there. And I hope I did the same tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I appreciate your time, sir. You have a good one. You do, you too, man. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more commentary, articles, and episodes just like this regularly posted on our website, firedog.us. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast and on Instagram at the Fire Dog Podcast. That is the Fire, D A W G Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow to stay plugged in every new episode and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you've enjoyed this episode. Lastly, we'd love it if you'd share this podcast with your friends and coworkers, either on social media or right there at the firehouse. This is Matt Wilson with guest Bennett Grove. Until next time, stay safe.